I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 216-578-0092. We go right back to the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline and bring in Greg Schwartz of the Bleacher Report. Greg, thank you so much for taking the time to schedule to come on with me. Exciting times for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, how often are we in September and talking about the Cavs and not leading something with the Browns and the Buckeyes? So right. you, know it's a big, you know it's a big trade if something like that is happening. Man, two hours. We've done two hours, and we've had phone lines packed, and I've never seen that before. The opening, ga- opening home game or opening game of the year for the NFL and a huge Buckeyes game tonight against Notre Dame. Uh, in the shoe in prime time. But listen, uh, when we break down this trade, and, and let's take, let's go back a little bit. And, and we, we talked about, um, you know, this is about a, I would say before last year, we talked about um, Porter Jr. And you talked about him possibly having that star quality and having to move on for him to send him to Houston. You kind of talked about Colin Sexton and, and whether or not, and we went back and forth whether or not he was a guy that, was was worth twenty million dollars a year, um, and and so we've done and, and just to see how far we've come since then, and being able to, to have a Donovan Mitchell, um, can you explain to people? Because I know a lot of people right now are saying, oh, there's some people say you gave up too much, and I, I don't think what what type of player would you describe um, Donovan Mitchell as, and where would you put him in the league to, for just for context? Donovan Mitchell is an elite offensive player and um he's not a player that he's not like a kevin durant where you can put him into any roster he's going to fit with every single person or every single type of teammate around him and he's going to be you know the the best player on championship team he's not necessarily that guy but if you look at like if you're an advanced metrics guy which i i do use some of those in my reporting um offensively he was the ninth best player in the entire nba last year um, and that's per dunksandthrees.com. He was above guys, the, his scoring ability, his playmaking ability, his shooting ability, pick and roll, all that, he ranked ninth. That was above, above guys like Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, Ja Morant, Devin Booker, some of these guys that we think of as, you know, just some of the best offensive players in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell ranked ahead of a lot of those guys. Now, the problem is, defensively, he's not very good, and he's never been very good. Um, I would suspect we're going to get his best effort, uh, especially on this team that, you know, maybe doesn't have championship aspirations this year, but is at least, you know, hoping to win a playoff series or two. Um, but as I wrote on Bleach Report uh, yesterday, I feel like the Cavs can now be kind of a better version of what the Utah Jazz were. And the Utah Jazz were really good. 
Utah Jazz made the playoffs all five years that Donovan Mitchell was over there. The Utah Jazz had the number one offense in the NBA last year. And who was their number one guy? Donovan Mitchell. So he's proven he can be that number one guy. Um, the Cavs have, if you look at rim protection metrics, the second best rim protector in the NBA. Number one was Rudy Gobert. Donovan Mitchell goes from playing with him to Jared Allen. The thing that doomed the Utah Jazz was they had no perimeter defense around Donovan Mitchell and in between Rudy Gobert. And now he comes to the Cavs where you have Evan Mobley. And I think some people, if they look at Evan Mobley, they go, oh, he's seven-footer, he's a, he's a shot blocker. No. Evan Mobley can defend everywhere on the court. Isaac Okoro can defend everywhere on the court. On the perimeter, um, you can put him in the paint against some matchups. He's that strong. Now you have kind of the cures for what ailed the Utah Jazz, where they couldn't stop anybody in the perimeter, and that's why they kept losing in the first and second round. You're plugging Donovan Mitchell into a team that had the number five overall defense last year, has an all-star point guard. He's never played with a guy as good as Darius Garland in the backcourt. No offense to Mike Conley. I just think that as good as Donovan Mitchell is, he does have some deficiencies, but... The Cavs are so good defensively, and they can cover for those deficiencies that I think this is just a perfect pairing between player and team. I also think, Greg, that when you look at it, you can now start to do certain things. You look at what happened when, when you know, they lost Ricky Rubio. Look what happened when, you know, down the stretch, you know, they had some injuries. And Darius Garland was the only guy that can even even look like he wanted to dribble or make a play or, or or start the offense or run sets. It was just like if he wasn't in the game, the game got bogged down. The shot clock leads, you know, just just winds down, and you end up taking a contested seventeen footer from somebody you don't want shooting that shot. But now you have an opportunity to say not just him being a starter; it's the fact that. If you, when you do need to get guys rest, you could always have a primary ball handle on the court. You can stagger them um, so that you can always have a, a number one threat on the floor, and that's something that is invaluable in the playoffs because you know other teams always have a score or score somewhere, and if it's a close game, you can't afford to get down six eight points and play a guy that small in Darius Garland for forty minutes. No, and, you know, what did we see in the play-in tournament last year when they played Brooklyn and they played Atlanta and they, they couldn't get over the hump? The last game where they played Atlanta where, okay, the winner makes the playoffs, the loser does not, Darius Garland had to play 43 minutes and he shot 9 of 27 because Atlanta's defense was like, if we shut this guy down, nobody else can beat us. Nobody else. Rajon Rondo had to play 15 minutes off the bench in that game. That's how desperate we were for offensive creation and for playmakers. And like you said, now you can stagger those guys where, yes, they're both going to start, but maybe you pull Darius a little early or maybe you pull Donovan a little early and then you give him a couple minutes on the bench and then you put that guy in to help run that second unit. Um, You have Karis LeVert going into a full training camp now as a ball handler and somebody that can create and make plays for everybody else. Um, You know, Ricky Rubio, we're not going to see him for the first couple months while you're recovering from a torn ACL, but once he comes back, whenever that may be, January, hopefully, um, you're going to have a lot of really good creators now. And that's what doomed them. That's what absolutely destroyed them down the stretch in the playing tournament. So to just add an offensive talent of Donovan Mitchell's capability, a guy that's about to turn 26, three-time All-Star, um, like I said, he was the number one offensive threat on a team that ranked number one offensively last year. I, I think that says a lot, and I think that's exactly what the Cavaliers needed.
when you uh when you look at you know, I, I heard people say that the Cavs may not be a contender this year. Um, you know, on paper, I think if Evan Mobley doesn't, you know, doesn't progress a lot, or uh, you, what, what is Darius Garland going to do in the offseason, or what is uh, Allen going to start to to develop, if he can develop, a, you know, maybe a jump hooker, or he can develop some sort of offensive threat that he can go to. And if Isaac Okoro develops a, a, a jump shot of some sort, if he can knock down a corner three. I think that now you put yourself in a position where you're not asking, you know, you're not asking Darius Garland to go to a Steph Curry level. You're not asking Evan Mobley to to become a Kevin Garnett overnight. You're not asking Isaac Okoro to to be a knockdown shooter. Maybe you could just shoot corner threes. Maybe you're the, P, the smaller P.J. Tucker. Now you can at least get guys, if they improve in one area, just one area, now that helps the team overall. What are your thoughts on how they can take the next step with uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, and who would transform this roster if they do take that next step and bring a little something different to their skill set? Well, I think the next step is just playoff experience, right? Because they, I mean, they got those two games rather than playing tournament. It's kind of like a playoff atmosphere, but they didn't get that. And rarely do we see young teams go and win a title their first year making the playoffs. It almost never happens. So what they need is, like I said, I think as early as next year, they could be in the title hunt. I really do. I don't think it's going to happen this year just because of the youth on the roster and the fact that a lot of these guys outside Mitchell and Kevin Love have, you know, never been in the playoffs and never played in really big games. But I'll say this. You added Donovan Mitchell. Like I said, five years in the league, been in the playoffs five times. I'm going to give you the list of guys that have scored more points in a playoff game than Donovan Mitchell. Michael Jordan, Elgin Baylor, and that's it. Donovan Mitchell's 57 points that he dropped uh, in the bubble a couple years ago was the third highest points, for game, or points total in a game in NBA playoff history. So this is a guy that is a proven playoff performer. 28.3 points per game in the playoffs in his career. Uh, that ranks seventh in league history. I mean, that seventh, this is a guy that when the lights get the brightest, he steps up. And now you're giving him some elite offensive options alongside him where, you know, defenses can't double-team him. They can't focus on him because I think Evan Mobley, what we saw last year, is just the beginning. I think he's going to be a consistent 20-point-per-game score. Darius Garland, we've already seen, is a 20-point-per-game is a score. And now you have Donovan Mitchell. You take that three-headed monster – and then you take what you can get from Karis LeVert and Kevin Love and Jared Allen and these other guys, um, I, I think all this team needs is a little bit of playoff experience, and I think they'll be in the title hunt as early as next year and, and hopefully be in that title hunt for years to come. Talking to Greg Shorts on the North Armstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He's the uh, Cavs beat reporter for the Bleach Report. Um, Greg, when we look at uh, the, the Eastern Conference, I, I compared the Eastern Conference to the AFC. You just look at how many quarterbacks there are. You go to the Eastern Conference, and it used to be people used to laugh at LeBron and say, oh, you play in the weak East, you go out West. And now uh, the East is loaded with people. You you, you know, you got Embiid and Harden, uh, Durant and Irving, and Chris Middleton and Giannis. And, uh, you know, all these guys, uh, you know, seem to have we even teams even like uh, the Chicago Bulls, who no one mentions, or or teams like that. Everybody seems to have a nice, solid roster. Um, where does this, um, I guess, on, on the high end, 
if the Cavs play optimally and they play to the best of their ability, where does that put them on high end? Or if they skid a little bit and and don't gel and and can't really um, get any chemistry, what's the what's the floor for this team in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, that's the only bad part. And the East is so good. Three years ago in the 2019-2020 season, there was two teams that made the playoffs in the East that had a losing record. The Orlando Magic were 33 and 40 in 2019-20, and they made the playoffs. I mean, seven games under 500, and they were a playoff team. Now. You could be seven games above 500 and not make the playoffs. That's how good the East is. Um, I did a, I, I put up on Twitter yesterday just my early Eastern Conference prediction rankings. There's only three teams I would confidently put ahead of the Cavs right now. The Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, and the Philadelphia 76ers. Those are the only three teams that I'm like, I'm pretty sure those three teams are going to be better than Cleveland this year. And so I had the Cavs in number four. But you also look at Miami. Miami had the best record in the East last year. They're going to be really good again. Toronto, up-and-coming team. They were in the playoffs last year. The Atlanta Hawks made the playoffs, and they got DeJounte Murray, who was the perfect fit for that team. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, you know, say what you want about Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, all the drama there. When those guys are actually on the floor, they're a really good team. Uh, that's eight teams. I didn't even mention the Chicago Bulls, a team that made the playoffs, um, a team that was the number one seed in the East for the first couple months of the season last year. Uh, I didn't mention the Knicks that are going to be better with Jalen Brunson. I didn't mention the Charlotte Hornets, uh, another young up-and-coming team. So I would say at best the Cavs are going to be, I would say, the four seed where, okay, you get home court advantage in the first round. That's good. Um, but I don't think they're going to be a one, two, or three seed. At the very worst, I, I don't see them falling out of the top eight. I think maybe you know they get the seven or eight seed and they have to go in the playing tournament and kind of play themselves in just because the East is really good. The East is really, really good. So it's it's an unfortunate timing that we're also really good at at the same time the East is good, whereas a couple of years ago uh, the bottom of the East wasn't very good. Um, but I, I'd say somewhere in that four to eight range is where they're going to end up. But like I said, there's, there's only three teams that I, I confidently say are better than Cleveland right now. Uh, for those who say that the Cavs uh, gave up too much, what do you say? So uh, I – they gave up a lot. I'll say that. I, I made a kind of, of a, a prediction trade a couple weeks ago on Bleacher Report about what uh, hypothetical Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland trade would look like. And it, it was almost the only difference in my trade that I put out there and the one that actually happened was I had Isaac Okoro going to the Jazz instead of one of those first-round picks. That was the only difference. I knew it was going to be Colin Sexton. Laurie Markkinen was going to be your salary match. Uh, Ochai Abaji was going to be a, a player that Utah coveted, and it was going to take a couple first-round picks. And a lot of people didn't like that at the time. And I said, okay, you might not like that, but if you want to beat a trade package from the Knicks, this is what it's going to take. The important thing is, did you keep Darius Garland? Did you keep Evan Mobley? Did you keep Jared Allen? Because if you kept those three and you got Donovan Mitchell, this is going to be a really good team no matter what. And so the fact that you did that and you got to keep Isaac Okoro, I was thrilled with that. Because like I said, you need those perimeter defenders so you're not losing in the first and second round like we saw the Jazz do the last five years. So you gave up that extra future first-round pick. It, it hurts, and it's a little risky. I get that. I get that. But uh, one scout that I texted about the trade, I asked him if they gave up too much too, and he said probably, but he said you can always trade for first-round picks. 
you can always make trades down the line and get first round picks back. You don't get a talent like this all the time. If you're the Cavs, what's the list? Sean Kemp, Kevin Love, Donovan Mitchell, probably the three biggest trades in franchise history. So um, if you got a chance to go get a guy like Donovan, who's young, who's under contract for uh, multiple years, he fits exactly what your team needs. You're going to have to give up a lot, but you did it while you kept your three core players. And I think that was the most important part. About 60 seconds here. Are you, are you worried about um, him kind of bolting or wanting to jet in two years? Um, if, if the Cavs don't really uh, make the playoffs or not make the playoffs, but go deep, serious deep, making the Eastern Conference Finals or going to the finals, do you believe that um, he, he will, might take off and, and look to go to New York eventually because he lives there or was from there? Right. So that was, that was my fear, um, you know, when kind of the rumors started was, okay, is he, is he going to want to come to Cleveland? Is he going to want to play here? You know, he's been in a small market his whole career. Maybe he wants to go um, get a little bit of a change. You know, Cleveland and Salt Lake City are, are completely different cities, too, so it's not like it's the same thing. But like you said, he's got ties to New York. He's a huge New York Mets fan um, that looked like the destination he was going to go to. That was my hesitation. But the fact that, you know, Brian Windhorst reported that he got the news um, he found out the Cavs' core guys were there. Kevin Love was still there, who I think he has a friendship with. And he was running around the golf course screaming, and he's excited about that. You look at his Twitter activity, he's already putting out the, the tweet of him in the Cavs jersey when he was young. Uh, Darius Garland, I think, is a guy that he's going to latch on to that everybody likes. I think market is, is, is nice, but winning is nicer. And what's going to convince him to stay is if this team – has a chance to compete for a title every single year if he likes the guys that he's around. And this team had wonderful chemistry last year. Wonderful. And I think if you put him in there, you've got a chance to sell him on that for the next three years. Um, I, I, I would say for now I'm not worried about that because I think winning is going to cure everything And if you have any hesitations there. Craig, I thank you so much for uh, you know coming on with me. It looks like we'll be talking a lot more this year. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.